Tired of complex and high credit card processing fees? It's time to simplify. Whether you own a big business or a small startup, Empower Payments can save you money. Streamline your payment process while saving money today with Empower Payments. Learn more at EmpowerPayments.com. That's EmpowerPayments.com. America's largest all-sports radio station presents the number one motorsport show for over two decades, Track Talk. Brought to you by Rod in Supply and the Power Ride Midwest Lightning Sprints. Here are the racing boys, Scott Trailer and Kirk Elliott. Good morning, race fans. Welcome to Sports Radio 810 WHB's Track Talk. It's all brought to you by Rod in Supply, featuring the Power Eye Midwest Lightning Sprints. We want to thank uh, Becca back at uh, Sports Radio 810 for uh, taking care of us back there, and Todd Surprise for doing so here at RBN, the Racing Boys Broadcasting Network. My partner, Kirk Elliott. Kirk, we've got a lot to talk about this week, don't we? There's a lot of racing going on down there in Florida. Uh, It's February, and it's Florida. (laughs) Yeah, it's picked up. We are officially in Speed Weeks. Right. So we got a lot of things going on. So um, I'm kind of taken back. Brad Sweet, he picks up night number one down there at Volusia, and do you, do you think that's a little bit of a rub that he is there? He's got his high limit patch on his fire suit, and and he's winning the World of Outlaw race. Do you think they're a little rubbed by that? Of course, <laughs> yeah, I would think so. Yeah, your defending five time champion of your series has gone off to the high limit series, and the season opener for the World of Outlaws NOS Energy Drink Sprint Cars features right. the five time champion brad sweet right. who has moved on but yet is at the season opener for the world of outlaws and wins the opening night race does it rub him the wrong way they're not going to come out and say that but right. yeah it, 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 it surely it surely it does yeah. um um tyler courtney was second on the first night and david gravel was third brian brown was fourth logan Schuhart was fifth and uh did you did you think at, at one point during that race that Tyler Courtney was going to run him down? No. Did you feel like it? I just I just felt uh, Sweet was just too strong. No, I did not think that uh, Sunshine was going to be able to catch uh, Brad Sweet. Hey, I want to give a little bit of a shout-out to Landon Castle. Landon uh, Crawley. Landon Crawley. Um, just because he's made the A-Main every night, hasn't he? Yeah. And and he started on the pole last night, didn't he? He won the pole dash and started on the pole. He didn't end up where he wanted to. I think he was back in 19th when it was all said and done. But he ran in the top five for quite a bit. But he's getting a lesson this week. And for what? Only his third time in a 410 sprint car for him to make the dash uh, last night. And not only that, but qualify for the pole. Hats off to Landon Crawley. Yeah, no doubt about so, it. Good, good job to start off with. What he just turned sixteen. He, he's just turned sixteen in January. Yeah, yeah. So good job for Landon Crawley in yeah. the Jason Side Seven car in his debut. Even though he didn't get the finish he wanted last night, 
thumbs up to Blanton. Good job. And, just, and he's running for Rookie of the Year against Bill Baylog. Yeah. Can you believe that Bill Baylog has not run for Rookie of the Year before? The North Pole Nightmare, Bill Baylog. Right, no doubt. So that's just, your rookie run. Uh, a little bit of a change in the roster for the World of Outlaws. Uh, we thought that Noah Gass was going to be running the right. whole series. He's not, but they've added Craig Kinzer who has announced he's going to run the full World of Outlaws series. He was up there. He was the only guy that didn't qualify for the A-Main last night right. of those 12 drivers. But uh, instead of Noah Gass, got Craig Kinzer to right. run the full Outlaws series this year in the 70 car. Well, I, I, I'm not surprised by that. No. Are you? No. I mean, he took a look at that right. and thought, hey, let's do it. This is where I need to be. Hey, right. we got a full interview with Landon Crowley, too, from Mostly Motorsports that we did just a few week, couple weeks ago, uh, episode 297, if you need to find that. Right. That was a really good interview we did with it was, Landon. It was a good interview so, that we did with right him. Before we started the what, season. What episode is that? 297. It was 297. Ryan Timms, Ben Shelton, and Landon Crowley. We're, and we're, we're getting ready to hit 300. Almost 300. So, yeah. So, yeah, it's a really good episode. If you guys want to check that out. Landon had a lot of good things to say. Right, no doubt about as it. As great a night as Brent. He, go ahead. He's a great young kid. Yeah, yeah. yeah. that's what I was going to say. So a good start for Landon Crawley. We're rooting for him, no doubt. Uh, his dad, Tim Crawley, was down there last night. Right. Uh, helping him out and making sure that uh, he's learning all the right lessons. Yep. And he's got a good father to learn it all from. So uh, as good a night as Brad Sweet had on Wednesday night, not as good on Thursday night. He started 14th and ended up 15th. So uh, you got to qualify well in these events. And if you don't qualify up towards the front, right. you're going to find yourself in, in that dirty air. Right? Yeah, yeah. In, in deep trouble. So the time trials are very important to where you're going to finish your you know, you got to start good to finish good. So Brad Sweet ended up 14th on Thursday night. Last night, or David Gravel won the Thursday night race. Last night, a last turn, last lap move by Tyler Courtney to beat Rico Abreu at the line. Right. Great finish last night. Yeah. Rico got up into the loose stuff. It was, they called it technical i like these terms they use it was a technical racetrack you know yeah the the cushion was just a little bit dicey and rico was running good up on the high side but he got up into that loose stuff there and it cost him uh for that win last night as uh sunshine was able to get at him at the checkered flag kirk i'm i'm gonna say the the race of the week is when tyler herb won and Mike Marler came from 23rd to second on the last lap. He got around uh, JD right there at the last on the last lap. Just went around him on the outside. Now we're talking Lucas Oil late model racing at Lucas East Bay. Oil late models. This racing. was over across the other side of the state near Tampa at East Bay Raceway Park, where the Lucas right. Oil late models have been running all week. Good right. racing over there too, by the way. Oh, by the way, yes, no doubt about it. it but were were you overly impressed about Mike Marler starting twenty third and working his way up to second? Yeah, and that's again he's not qualifying as well as he wants to to be able to start up towards the front. And I think the next night he came from sixteenth to seventh. Uh, he had to charge up through the field the next night too. But that was an epic run for our good buddy Mike Marler, twenty uh, third to second. That if you uh, notice. 
Did you notice the way he passed JD at yeah. the at 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 the yeah. on the last lap? JD looked like he slipped a little bit. I don't know what the, the air on the front of that car turned him sideways just a little bit. He, he got a little he got a little jacked up there a little bit on yeah. the last lap. And yeah, he did. Yeah, no doubt about Tyler it. Tyler Herb wins on uh, that was Wednesday night. Uh, we've had a lot of different winners at East Bay this week. Uh, Hudson O'Neill won on Tuesday night. They got rained out on Monday. They made that up later in the week. Uh, Wednesday night, as we mentioned, Turbo, Tyler Herb. Thursday night, they had two feature races. Been a couple of years since we've seen Jimmy Owens win a race, right. but he won on Thursday night. And then the makeup race, they split it up. They split that night of racing that got rained out on Monday over three nights. They ran qualifying. On Tuesday night, they had the heat races and the preliminaries on Wednesday, and then they come back and run the feature on Thursday night. Brandon Shepard picks up the makeup race that was rained out on Monday, and then last night, Jonathan Davenport finally breaks through with his first Lucas Oil win of the season. He's a three-time champion of the series, so we've had a lot of different winners so far. Right. Uh, Brandon Shepard, Jimmy Owens, Tyler Erb, Hudson O'Neill. All those guys have won. And uh, last weekend at Alltech Speedway, it was Tim McCready and Ricky Thornton Jr. So a yep. uh, lot of different winners so far. Ricky Thornton Jr. is finding the going a little bit tougher so far this year. It's not as though he's not running good. He's running up towards the front, but he's not winning like he did last year. So I think the competition levels uh, stepped up quite a bit. I think we're going to see a lot more different winners, especially in the crown jewel races this year. I don't believe that Ricky Thornton Jr. is just going to go out there and dominate like he did last year because competition is so tough. Yeah. Um, what about uh, last night's non-wing race down there at Ocala? Ocala Speed, formerly known as Bubba Raceway Park. I guess Bubba's the love sponsor is still involved in the racetrack. He's, he just changed the name of the racetrack. He, he just changed the name of the racetrack. Yep. So we have the season opener for the uh, USAC Amsoil non-wing sprint car series last night. And uh, I, I think you'd have to say these guys are rivals. Justin Grant and Brady Bacon. When you think of USAC, you think of those two guys and Logan Seavey is another guy. No, I, I, I've got to think about Robert Ballou, Brady Bacon, and Justin Grant is the top three guys. Yeah, wouldn't you think? Well, I would say, but you got to throw Logan Seavey in the mix now. Oh, no doubt. Uh, but Brady Bacon, Bowl champion. Brady Bacon versus Justin Grant. We've seen, you know, the Silver Crown race in Belleville last year. Right, prime example. But those two guys got together last night, didn't they? Brady looked like Brady Bacon, who started up on the front row, was going to run away with it. But Justin Grant had a fast car, and he was able to get past Brady Bacon. And then Brady comes back down the inside. Those two guys were battling it out through lap traffic. But I don't know if Brady Bacon's all that happy with Justin Grant after last night. What do you think? Justin Grant got up into the loose step, turned his car sideways. Brady was making a bomb and got and, up and, into and him. And was and trying to make a pass on him. Right. right. Yeah. And even though I think Justin Grant started it, Brady Bacon got the worst end of the deal. No doubt about it. And Grant was able to march on to victory. Where did uh, where did Brady end up running last night? Uh, he was back 
Of course, it happened late in the race. He ended up. It. He started second. He runs sixteenth. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, it, well, we only had about six or seven laps to go in the race when that happened. Right. So uh, when you're fighting for a points championship, you don't and you, 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 you don't do like those want, kind of finishes. You do not want to start. You, no. you do not want to start your season running sixteenth. Right. Right. C.J. Leary ends up second. My favorite number is sixteen. By the way. Yeah. Just so you know. There it is. That's what, right. what was your number. Right. So C.J. Leary ahead of Logan C.D., who finished up third. Robert Blue came from 10th to 4th. And Briggs Danner winds up, winds up 5th in the final rundown. They'll do it again tonight down at O'Connell Speedway. They got two nights next Monday and Tuesday at Volusia. Right. And then they return to Ocala. Next weekend, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday to wrap up winter dirt games. Robert Ballou started 10th, and he ended up running 4th yep. last night. Good, You know, we've, we've got an interview with Robert we're going to be playing right. here a little bit, and he is jacked up for this year. He is. He feels, you know, last year really wasn't a great year for Robert. You know, he didn't, didn't have the kind of year that he's used to having, but he feels like he's in much better shape this year heading into the new season they've worked on these race cars he likes uh he was last night he had a 25 year old engine in that car last did you hear him say that no i didn't hear that he said this uh this an engine 25 years old and he qualified well well some of those some of those older 410s run better than these newer 410s yeah well this was an older 410 yeah so Robert Ballou, always interesting. We had him on Monday's show on Mostly Motorsports, and uh, we'll play a portion of that again here in just a little bit. Right, no doubt about it. Um, Kirk, so what did what did you think of uh, Jimmy Owens? He picked up the win. Brandon Shepard, uh, what did you think of those wins? Well, we touched on Jimmy Owens a little bit as first win in nearly two years and uh, the question that I would have liked to have heard Ben Shelton ask Jimmy Owens is you hadn't run so good the last couple of years and all of a sudden you're coming out of the gate and even before Wednesday or Thursday night's win he had some good finishes you could tell the right. 20 car the Kohler number 20 was running a lot stronger than it had been in the past so uh, he was posting some good finishes, so was, the way he was running, it was just a matter of time before he was going to break through with a win. But the question I would like to have asked is, what have you done, Jimmy, to elevate the performance of this race car? They've been doing a lot of work on that car. Right, and, yeah. and, you know, Jimmy Owens is a four-time is that a rocket? late model champion. Is that a rocket? I'm not sure. I think it is. I think it's rocket chassis. Did they change chassis? What did they do different on that car? Because Jimmy Owens, we know, hadn't forgotten how to drive, but very surprising that it had been since 2022 since he he went all of last year without winning a Lucas Oil late model race. Right. Very surprising. So Jimmy Owens is back up in the hunt and uh, picks off a huge victory on Thursday night down at East Bay. Well, I, I, I'm pretty happy for Jimmy, to be honest with you, because he's not winning a lot now. What do you think? He's the old guy that... Uh, the old man of the group. Yeah. Of course, uh, when we went to Eldora back in 2007 to the World 100, 
They had he won the race in the daytime. That was his first race. He yeah, he, was, he won the World Cup, so you the World One Hundred, right? You know, go back that far watching him race, and that was uh, that, that was, was a, a big d- win for him. That was a dusty day race, wasn't it? Yeah, I think that was his first at two but, World One Hundred. But wins. for a day race, that race was really good at the time. One of the best day races I've ever seen. Right, no doubt. So, yeah, the, the thing I remember most about that day is when Chubb Frank got up into the wall on the front straightaway. And back then, they ran the heat race. They, they didn't have any hot laps the final day. Right. They started out, the first thing, first action you saw on the racetrack, the last day of the World 100 was the heat races. And they were wild. Yeah. And I think they still are pretty crazy at times, but I, I do believe the difference is they run hot laps now before, but in 2007, they did not do that. Right. And the, even though Jimmy Owens won that day, the biggest memory for me is when Chubb Frank got up into the wall and almost turned it upside down. Remember Bloomquist had some problems that day as yeah. well. Yeah. Do you remember that? I did. Hey, one thing I want to mention about Scott Bloomquist, I don't know if anybody saw it last week uh, on Flow, but they had the uh, final night of the winter freeze at Screven Motor Speedway down in Georgia. That was the same night as the Lucas Oil Late Models were at Alltech Speedway, but Scott Bloomquist was the color guy on the final, on the, on, on the feature race. He was in the booth doing color commentary with Garrett Smith, one of the key players, and he's been helping Garrett Smith out a lot. He's right, been right. he's been coaching him up a lot. But it was very fascinating to listen to Scott Bloomquist do color commentary on that race when Brandon Overton was able to get the best of Garrett Smith, and he said, uh-oh, he's, he's going up to it. You can't go high in turn four because the track was... You know, in a in a position where if you go high and turn four, you're going to lose it. And if, if if he'd had a radio, these cars don't have radios. I'm sure he would have been telling, "Stay on the bottom." Well, he didn't stay on the bottom, and Brandon Overton got the best of him. But it was just fascinating to listen to Scott Bloomquist do color commentary up in the booth while watching that feature race at Screven last weekend. Right. What about? Uh... Last last night's race, Kirk. Um, the pass on the last lap. What did you think of that race? Now, which which now where are we at now? Which race are you talking about now? You're talking about the World of Outlaws. Now we're going back to sprint car racing, right? Okay, we're kind of all over the map here this week. Well, that's all right. Uh, Rico was running the high side, and. It was it was treacherous up there. That that's the other word they used. It was treacherous up in the cushion at Volusia Speedway Park last night, and it almost bit Rico a couple of times. And the final time it did, he just got. And it's really hard to criticize Rico because a lot of guys were having some trouble managing that cushion up there. But Rico jumped that cushion more than one time. He did. He did, and and it and it ended up costing him the race at the, in it, the end. It did, it did. But it, it it he felt that his car ran the best up on the cushion, uh, and, and, and he and criticized himself at the end of that race. Listen, he said, "I made a big mistake." The dominant the dominant piece of the track was on the bottom. Yeah, and anybody that could see that 
could see that Tyler Courtney was making it through the bottom on, yeah. on, on that last lap, and then he got around him on the outside. Well, Rico said in his post-race interview, he said, I made a mistake. I'm thinking, you know, the, the last, especially the white flag lap, needed to get down to the bottom of the racetrack. And had he done so, I think he would have held off Tyler Courtney. But he said the car was working so good up on the high side that I just I, I took a big chance, and it, it bit me, he said. So he was uh, criticizing himself for not at least, even though that car was running best up on the cushion, on the white flag lap, get yourself to the bottom because as a leader, you can't see what's coming behind you. And uh, so he, he knew that he should have gotten back down to the bottom. The, the thing about it is, is when you're on dirt and you're racing on dirt, you want to make the guy go around you on the outside. I agree. Every time. And he knows that. Right. No doubt. So uh, it cost him the victory last night. And had he gotten back down to the bottom, Rico would have been celebrating the victory last, but he's still got a strong enough race car that, yeah, no doubt. that uh, it's only a matter of time before he picks off the victory. All right, we've got a really good show lined up for you today, folks. Um, Eric Peterson, who is the new president of Iowa Speedway, is going to be joining us here in a little bit. And we're also going to have some interviews that we did with Robert Ballou, Hunter Schoenberg, and Trenton Berry as well during this show. So we hope that you'll stick around and hang out and uh, listen to some more track talk right here. It's all brought to you by Rod In Supply, featuring the Power Eye Midwest Lightning Sprints. Uh, we can't thank Beckett enough back there at Sports Radio 810 and uh, Todd Surprise here at RBN, the Race Boys Broadcasting Network. We will be back in a moment. Stay tuned. Welcome back. It's Track Talk. It's all brought to you by Rod and Supply, featuring the Power Eye Midwest Lightning Sprints. Kirk Elliott had a chance to talk to Robert Ballou on Monday. I was not in the studio, and um, I had some uh, some personal issues that I had to take care of on Monday. So we we had to uh, I had to take care of Deidre, didn't I? Head take care of Deidre. So here's uh, Kirk Elliott's interview with Robert Ballou on Monday on Mostly Motorsports. On the line now is former USAC Sprint Car Champion, Indiana Sprint Week Champion. He's won the Tony Holman Classic. He's done everything there is to do in the world of non-wing sprint car racing. The madman, Robert Ballou, is joining us. Robert, how you doing? I'm great. How are you? We're doing great. You're about ready to kick off the season this weekend down at uh, Ocala Speedway. That's a racetrack you've had a pretty good history at. Uh, how much you're looking forward to the sea? You finished seventh in the standings last year. You're looking for a, a return to to top form this year. Do you feel like that uh, you're headed things back in a big way in 2024? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I feel like. Uh... Everything's probably the best that it's been maybe ever. Uh, so hopefully the results uh, show the same. What kind of changes did you make in the off season? Um, not nothing major, but we uh, we made a change. I don't know. For the last maybe quarter of the season, we switched to to a DRC chassis. Uh, 
that are right here in Indianapolis, in Gasoline Alley, if you will, in Indianapolis. And uh, it's it's basically a, a, a similar version to, you know, a car that I won the championship with. Uh, everything's pretty much the same. Um, and I hadn't found anything that was as comfortable. Um, any car that I'd ran since then, um, we, we seemed to, to fight. Uh, never really could find a perfect balance or comfort level. So we, um, we obviously didn't realize it was going to be as close as it is. Um, as far as setup wise, scale numbers, um, you know, and, and, uh, when I got in the thing, I immediately, uh, went to the front and, and so, uh, obviously that then obviously, you know, sparks a fire that, you know, uh, that you needed. So, uh, we got two new ones, uh, to go to Florida and, uh, got our engine program, uh, where we think it needs to be. And, uh, just looking forward to seeing how things go. Uh, obviously, you know, they've added, uh, two more races down there. So now we're down there for seven, seven total races, which is, you know, uh, a, a big chunk of the of the season, if you will. You know, it's only fifty something races, so uh, you know you got seven nights. It's a big chunk. So if you don't come out swinging and uh, and leave there on a high note, uh, it's it's a tough hole to dig out of. You got five of those nights at Ocala Speedway, twice at Belusia Speedway Park, very fast a racetrack. Ocala Speedway that that's kind of an odd configuration, is it not? Yeah, for sure, and it, you know, there's. Uh, I would say of, of all the guys, uh, Brady Bacon probably gets around it the best. Uh, his car seems to maneuver uh, three and four is tricky. One and two, anybody can pretty much get around, but uh, doesn't matter how good you get around one and two if you can't uh, get off a three or get off a four. Basically, um, uh, you're never going to win the race, and. Uh, uh, master it at times and uh you know sometimes it's around the, the top but very very rarely but uh getting off a turn four on the bottom is uh it, it is it's not for the faint of heart uh it's uh, it's difficult um to be able to get your car to maneuver around without spinning out um but he but brady on the other hand is the only guy that's ever spun out two or three times trying to make that work uh you know, in the front of the field uh, at the beginning of a race. So uh, nobody's perfect. And, uh, you know, I think uh, with the pa- package that we're going to bring to Florida, we should have uh, as good of a shot as anyone. It is a, definitely a tricky track. Uh, Bubba's obviously rebranded it and uh, put dirt in it and made it a little more banked. And, uh, you know, uh, I've always ran uh, respectfully there. So uh, hopefully... It's uh, two grooves of racing and uh, lots of slide jobs. Yeah, looked uh, watching the late model races up there. Looked like they got rid of that crown that used to be there. That's not there as as prevalent as it was before. It appears. Yeah, absolutely. What is it? It's wider in one and two than it is coming off three and kind of an egg shaped track, isn't it? Yeah, for sure. And. You know, you really got to get the thing backed into three and four. Uh, almost, you almost spin the thing out, kind of, uh, but you, 
it's one of the few tracks that you have to use wheel spin to create forward forward drive. Most places you get your wheel spinning too much and get the tires hot, and um, then it's over with. Uh, it's one of the few places that uh, you know seems seems as though like you got to get the thing twisted up and get it bent around and uh, keep the wheels spinning so that uh, it, it's still go it still goes forward, but it's it's just a tricky, unique. Uh, it's like a one of a kind racetrack. You know, we don't go anywhere else the rest of the year, and a lot of guys struggle there. Um, you know, qualifying can be really, really interesting because you know you run every one, or for the most part, run one lane during hot laps, and and above it and below it is normally grease. So sometimes, you know, if the lane's real narrow, if you miss it by a tire width, you're in the grease. And then you go from, well, if you were going to be quick time, you might be 20th. Um, so, obviously, just like the wing guys, uh, qualifying's everything, everything still. And USAC's changed their format a little bit. And, and so it's going to be uh, interesting. Uh, it's, it it kind of helped the really fat, the guys who are consistently fast qualifying. Uh, who tend to struggle to pass cars and not make it out of their heat race? Uh, the new format's going to help them. It's probably going to hurt a guy like me, who's I'm a I'm a fifth to tenth place qualifier on average, and uh, uh, I benefited from you know the way that the format was. So now it helps out the guys. They added one more transfer spot throughout the heat through the heat race, and uh, then if a fast guy doesn't make it, they start at the front row of the, of the B main. So. Uh, they've changed some things I didn't really care for, but, uh, you know, the guys who are consistently fast uh, at qualifying, uh, that's what they wanted. So, obviously, they were uh, uh, leveraging to make things a little bit easier on them and uh, to make it to where they don't have to pass cars. Uh, uh, and I'm the king of passing cars, so uh, we'll, we'll just have to try and beat them in lap traffic, I guess. You know, a lot of fans, Robert, love the way you race out there and the way you pass cars, but you, some of your fellow competitors are not big fans of you. you. You don't seem to be bothered by what other drivers think of the way you race, do you? No, you know, uh, uh, this is how, you know, if I don't, if I run last every night, uh, I would say about 80% of my race team is, is funded by <laughs> uh, prize money. Um, I, I go to work and drive a truck or do whatever uh, my boss tells me to do from day to day, whether it's work on his, his stepson Parker Price Miller's race cars or or uh, go pick up snowmobiles in, in, uh, in Denver, Colorado, like I did last week. Uh, whatever he needs me to do is what I do. And so uh, that's how I survive uh, to keep a roof over my head. And then uh, I, I, when I get to the racetrack, uh, I'm normally tired. So my patients are a little thin, and then when these guys get to sleep all day long and show up with their helmet bag, wonder why uh, I get so frustrated. Uh, I've had to work all week just to be able to survive, and when I get to the racetrack, uh, I have to run good in order to keep, uh, you know, my uh, new tires on my race car. So it's one of them deals to where uh, they don't understand it, and. Uh, Hopefully they never have to because uh, I wouldn't wish it upon anyone, but I get to do things the way that I want to do them, and uh, I can say what I want, and uh, I don't have to worry about a car owner firing me uh, because that's me.
so uh, I've chose this route, and uh, it's I, I feel uh, you know that it's worked out pretty well, uh, and and I, I'm fortunate that I've had great people in my corner to help me out whenever I was down and out, and uh, had a lot more injuries than most of the guys I race with, so I understand this you know, severity of this stuff, and um, I'm in the best place that I've ever been in, uh, mentally, physically, and, uh, and and I'm as prepared as we've ever been. So so I, I'll be disappointed if things don't, uh, uh, we don't leave uh, within the top five in points and uh, a win or two while we're down here. All right, there you have it. That's Robert Ballou. Doing an interview with Kirk Elliott on Monday on Mostly Motorsports. You can always listen to Mostly Motorsports on Mondays at 12 noon Central Time. It's a two-hour show, and uh, we will be in here on Monday. Yeah, a great 10th to 4th place run for Robert right. last night. So he's got a fast enough race car, but uh, he feels he feels confident heading into this year. Uh I think Start. he sounds like he's done a little work, even working out, uh, trying to get himself in better shape, not just making the race cars go faster. Well, he started 10th last night, and he ended up running fourth. Yeah. So he, that was a good run for him. So yeah. he's, uh, he's, he's an exciting driver. You know, we're all big fans of Robert just because what he talked about. He's a blue-collar guy. He's not... Not a professional race car driver. He's still got to work for a living he, 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 during the week. And, you know, it, people relate to guys like that. Right. Do you know who he works for? Kirk? Tell me. He works for uh, Scott Gronk, PPM's dad. Parker. Yeah, he talks said that in the interview. That yeah, he yeah. talks about going out and picking up snowmobiles or going and helping whatever he's got to do or pick and he up works on parker's race car that's what he said and sets right. up his yeah. race car and that interview is a really long interview we we, we picked up it's quite a bit longer so how, how, how long was that interview uh, total yeah yeah it was I, we were with him for what 15 20 minutes yeah something no, like uh, that no doubt uh, parker it. price miller by the way is a full-time high limit driver we'll see him in action we haven't seen him at uh, Volusia this week, but he's going to be at East Bay next week when the High Limit Series opens up right. Monday and Tuesday. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, Eric Peterson, the new president of Iowa Speedway, is going to join us right here on Sports Radio 810 WHB. We'll be back with more in a moment. It's all brought to you by Rod and Supply, featuring the Power Eye Midwest Lightning Sprints. Welcome back. It's Track Talk, and it's all brought to you by Rod and Supply, featuring the Power Eye Midwest Lightning Sprints. Joining us now on the show is the new president of Iowa Speedway, Eric Peterson. Eric, how you doing? I'm doing great. Good morning, and thanks for having me on. Hey, man, we're so excited to see, um, you know, I, I've always thought this, and, and I, I don't know if there's any kind of conflict between Kansas Speedway and Iowa Speedway. Is there? Is 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 there some kind of uh, some kind of uh, uh, kind of animosity towards those two tracks a little bit? Oh, absolutely not. I mean, maybe a little friendly competition here and there, which I think is good, but. Right. 
Look, I'm coming from Kansas and, and headed up to Iowa Speedway. It's just such an honor. And I think with the different sizes of tracks, the fan experience, we're only going to complement each other. Yep, no doubt. Um, let's talk about your background a little bit in, in NASCAR. Just give us a little bit of a background on you a little bit. Yeah, 13th year with NASCAR. Um, spent uh, all of that at Kansas Speedway, but you know, focused on our corporate sales um, with our West region. So worked at several different tracks uh, with cup racing and really had the opportunity to see a lot of fan-facing experiences and, and build those relationships with our partners. And that's what I plan on bringing to Iowa Speedway. Yeah. So you're an expert in marketing. Is that what we were taking out of that? Oh, well, those are your words. I guess you could say that. <laughs> but I do enjoy that space. Right. Uh, yeah, Eric, I'm looking at the the clock now. 124 days, 14 hours, 16 minutes to the Iowa Corn 350 at Iowa Speedway. The weekend of June 14th through the 16th. This is something that a lot of fans in Iowa have been waiting for a long time. And we're just a few months away from seeing it in reality. What are some of the things that you're going to have to do to the facility itself to uh, accommodate the large crowd, parking and everything, the infrastructure to host a NASCAR Cup Series weekend? Yeah, I spent the last week in Newton and in overlooking. There's still a little bit of snow on the backstretch, of course, but the excitement in the area is absolutely phenomenal from our fans. And, you know, you think we were going on sale with the, with the cup race and it was sold out within minutes, which is a testament to the fan support in the Midwest, the appetite for racing. Fortunately, at Iowa Speedway, there's a great infrastructure and there's been a great team in place. So I'm just building upon what's that legacy that's been built there. The racing has right. always been phenomenal at Iowa Speedway. Um, so, yeah, we'll work with our team. We'll work with local leaders and officials to make sure that that fan experience is the best of the business. Was more grands, Were there more grandstands brought in for that weekend over what you've had in the past? Um, we expanded some hospitality areas, um, and we're continuing to make a few announcements here over the, the next couple of months as it relates to those additional hospitality areas. But our focus now is making sure that that guest experience is great on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. In fact, we still have some tickets available on Friday for that Arkham Menard Series race, and I really encourage our fans that haven't had a chance to purchase yet um, to go to the website, iowaspeedway.com, and see what options are available. Yeah. Uh, I've been up there the last uh, – I've been to Iowa Speedway a lot over since, since it was built, and I've been to the IndyCar weekends – uh, the last couple of years, and that is about as unique of a racing experience as I think I've ever been around because of the big-name concerts that are part of the IndyCar weekend the last couple of years. And very, uh, uh, it, it's, a, it's a great experience for right, all no the doubt. fans with the headline acts of the concerts of the High V Race Weekend in July and what is what is the long-term future of the IndyCars continuing at Iowa Speedway? Well, IndyCar and, and Penske have just been a phenomenal partner, in addition to High V over the past couple years, and and keeping racing at at Iowa Speedway. So we're really we're going to work this year. Our main focus this year is is working on that NASCAR Cup Series inaugural race in June, and 
in working with IndyCar in the uh, on the July race as well, and we'll see what the future brings. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, the Iowa Corn 350. Just tell us a little bit about that race, and um, that's that's going to be a thrilling race up there, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And as as you guys know from being up there, the this is the fastest short track on the planet. We know the racing product's going to be great, but with the addition to Iowa Corn, Iowa Corn Growers Association has been a longtime partner of Iowa Speedway. And as soon as we announced that cup race, they were on board as the cup entitlement partner. So uh, the support from them has just been absolutely overwhelming. And, and I think it's worth noting that not only on Sunday, but we've got cup cars on track on Friday and Saturday for practice and qualifying. So, again, encourage those fans that don't have a ticket yet. You can still see the stars of the sport on Friday and Saturday. Yeah, no doubt. Well, you look down through the list of uh, current Cup Series drivers that have already had experience at Iowa Speedway. I can think of a, a number of memories that I have. I remember when Joey Logano was really young, and you remember that race Scott oh, that he I had do. with Kevin Harvick? Oh, yeah, there. no <laughs> doubt. That was when Joey Logano was just getting started. And, you know, Kyle Busch has won a couple of Xfinity races up there. Ricky Stenhouse Jr. was strong in the early days of the Xfinity Series races, Ryan, Bla- I mean, you can just go down through the list of already uh, a number of Cup Series drivers have had winning experiences at Iowa Speedway. What, do you, what are your thoughts about that, Eric? Yeah, Kozlowski, Stenhouse, you know, Christopher Bell, look at all these drivers that have had great racing at Iowa Speedway. I, that's part of the reason why there's such a strong appetite for not only the fans but the competition side to come out to Iowa Speedway this summer and race, and I have no doubt that that competition that weekend is just going to be phenomenal. Once in a lifetime experience. Yeah, no doubt. We're, we're big fans. Uh, I don't know if you know this or not, but uh, Kirk and I we did the Chili Bowl for 16 years. I don't know if you knew that or not, but we did that. Bro- right. We did that broadcast down there for 16 years, and Christopher Bell's become a very good friend of the Racing Boys. Yeah, what a great driver, and, and watching the the new Netflix series, I mean, just really highlights that. Yeah, what are your thoughts about that? I, I've seen all five episodes of that. How how much how big is that going to be for NASCAR, the uh, full speed series on Netflix? It's huge, and I've watched all five as well. In fact, I watched it the night that it came out, of course. Yeah. Uh, but just the overwhelming response from everyone on that is was in the top ten for weeks. I think it just continues to elevate our sport and show what bold moves that our leadership is taking to bring our sport and continue to enhance our sport to the to the world. I uh, I grew up in Iowa, Eric, so I I know the culture up there and the the pride that people have in uh, you know sports uh, racing. I mean, Iowa's a big time racing state. And you got Knoxville just down the road from uh, more, and they're, and they're having they're having a big weekend of the World of Outlaws. It's kind of coincides with your NASCAR weekend up there. But just kind of talk about the pride that Iowa has that this event is coming to the state. There's more racetracks per capita than any other yeah. state, really. To be honest <laughs> with you, that's right. And though in all of those racetracks are really heavily attended, and that is a point of pride for the entire state. And I'll say from a personal level, uh, right after Daytona, our family, we're moving up to Iowa, and we couldn't be more excited to be part of the community, to be part of the state, really be ingrained in, in everything in Iowa. So we're going to be part of that. We're going to be going to a lot of races, even outside of Iowa Speedway, and I really look forward to that. 
And again, to my point earlier, if you want to know how much does, do Iowans support racing, the race sold out within minutes, which is just phenomenal. It, the, the folks have been asking for a cup race for years and years, and they came out and showed their support. Yeah. Uh, I remember Rusty Wallace was, uh, he, he had a big hand in the design of this racetrack. Have you spoken with Rusty? And, uh, he, he was a big part of this thing, uh, to help no get doubt. this thing off the ground way back when. Absolutely. In fact, he was at the announcement, uh, when we announced the cup race in Iowa. And what a just absolute phenomenal supporter of the track. And he has had a major hand in this. And we really appreciate that. Yeah. No doubt about it. So you're going to be running the uh, NASCAR Xfinity Series race on June 15th. Um, talk about the Xfinity Series race that you're going to have up there. Yeah, I, I love the Xfinity Series in general, and you're going to see really good racing, especially on this short track. With that, um, I anticipate a, a really great race. We're getting ready to announce in a couple weeks uh, the entitlement sponsor for that race, as well as several others that will be activating on that Saturday. So, again, encourage any fan that hasn't purchased a ticket yet or couldn't get one for Sunday to go check it out and see, if, uh, see what options are available for that Saturday race. Just so you know, I had an ARCA team from 2003 to 2007, and we came up to your racetrack, and we missed it by one. We had to qualify in the top 33, and we qualified 34th, and we missed the show up there. And it, 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 that, that facility is such a great facility. I, I don't think people really understand how great a facility that place really is. Yeah, we'll appreciate that. And, again, that's a testament to the Clement family and, and the work that NASCAR's done also in keeping that facility a top-tier sports facility in the Midwest. And, you know, I've been able to, fortunate enough to go up the past couple of years and be a part of those ARCA races, and it's some of the best racing that you'll see on that size of a track. And the, that Friday night ARCA Menard series will be a good one. And, and is, that, is that seven-eighths of a mile track, that track up there? Is it seven-eighths that, of a mile? That's correct. Yep. And I was going to say, ARCA is the one series that's not taken a year off up there. I think even through the pandemic and every year that it was dark, there was still an ARCA race at Iowa Speedway, right? I, I, I think that uh, th- there's a, a lot of people that want to see short track racing. Don't you think that's what they people want to see now? I absolutely do think that. And to your point about the ARCA racing, we've been going up there since 2020, and uh, I've seen those ARCA races every single year, and they continue to race through um, through everything from 2020. So we're so glad that they're coming back this summer and being a part of that inaugural cup weekend. All right. Eric, we can't thank you for taking enough time to join us here on Track Talk. It's all brought to you by Rod and Supply, featuring the Power Eye Midwest Lightning Sprints. We can't thank you enough for doing so. We're looking forward to seeing you down the road up there at Iowa Speedway, and we'll see you up there in, in just a few weeks. How about well, that? Well, thanks for the support, guys, and I really appreciate it, and we'll see everybody out this summer. All right. Thanks. Thank Congratulations Thank you, on your new appointment. I appreciate it. Take care, guys. All right. There you have it. Eric Peterson. Hey, listen. Iowa Speedway is one of the better short tracks in the country, yeah. right? Yes. It's made out of concrete, right? No, it's it's a it's paved racetrack. It's a paved track. Yeah. Pit roads concrete. Pit roads concrete. I think so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's uh you know we've always loved Iowa Speedway, and uh, it sounds like that with the hospitality areas that they installed for the IndyCar weekends the last couple yeah. of years, yeah. 
They're going to fully utilize that. It doesn't sound like the increase in capacity so much as just building out the hospitality. So they have the infrastructure there already. Kirk, do you remember when I took my truck up there and I blew up and I was second fast in qualifying? Yeah. I was second fast. I was going to say you've driven this racetrack. I've driven on that racetrack before. So it's a really cool racetrack, and um, I, I, I had to see if there was some conflict between Kansas Speedway and Iowa Speedway. Yeah. Listening to that interview, I'm not sure what the future is with IndyCars. They're in the third year of a three-year contract with Hy-V on that IndyCar weekend. Right. I don't know from the sound of things. I'm not sure the IndyCars, now that they got the Cup Series in there, you know, what the IndyCar future is at Iowa Speedway. I, that sounds uncertain to me right now. It, it it could be kind of like Kansas Speedway, to be honest with you. Well, I don't know. That, Kansas Speedway dropped the Indy cars. But Indy cars were very popular at Iowa right. Speedway. That's right. why they've been up there. And High B gave them great support. They're an Iowa company. So right. uh, with, the, with the NASCAR Cup Series coming in, I don't know about IndyCar future up there. I hope it stays. I, I still love to go into the IndyCar right. races up there. Thanks, for everybody, for tuning in. We can't thank uh, everybody enough for doing so. I know that we've got Scott listening in from Florida, and we've got uh, Doug listening in from Nebraska, so we can't thank you enough for doing so. One week from tomorrow, the Daytona 500. I'm, I'm pumped for that. Chiefs. Go We're Chiefs. Do it tomorrow, right? Go Chiefs. We've got Chiefs We're, coverage. Chiefs pregame show coming up next, right? That's right. Got lots of coverage Here for the on Chiefs. Sports Radio 810. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. It's all been brought to you by Rod and Supply, featuring the Power Eye Midwest Lightning Sprints. We'll see you next week.